guys are back again listening to Life in a Wine Bottle with your host, Nelson Pizarro. Our special guest speaker is Lindsay with Wine Smarties. In part one, we'll talk about Lindsay's background, how she got into wine, started Wine Smarties, and what it took to receive a Master's in Wine and another couple amazing awards. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel and iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or like us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Life in a Wine Bottle. Enjoy the episode. Quick shout out to our sponsors, Castelli Family Vineyards, where you can taste the love of the wine. Follow and like them on Instagram at Costelli FE. Bespoke Maestro, they make elegant dresses and suits benefiting any occasion. Follow them on Instagram at Bespoke Maestro. San Diego Wine Tasting App. Easy to use, free to download, fun to find a new winery. Download the app today on Apple Store and Google Play. Search for San Diego Wine Tasting App. The Wine Smarties, we are certified wine professionals who promote thoughtful drinking through wine education and consulting for the wine consumer and the wine industry. Follow us at Wine Smarties. Now let's get on with the show. Well, now we started the conversation. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself now. Where you grew up. Uh, I, know, I know there's a big award that, or certificate. or Yeah, like, yeah. I know there's a big one, but we'll go on to that one down the road in a little sure. bit later. But talk to a little bit about yourself. Are you from San Diego? Do you grow up? No, I'm not from San Diego. I grew up in New England in a very idyllic sort of um, farm. We have 40 acres. It's a family farm. So my mom's dad was a very famous doctor. He helped find the cure for polio with oh my um, the Salk guy. What's his name? William Salk? I don't know. He was on that team. My mom was the first ever to be trialed in the iron lung and <laughs> yeah in michigan where my that's family an incredible was. yeah that's a, that's a great that cool? story yeah. yeah what were they farming crazy. what were they farming huh? what was it that they were farming dairy we grew up yeah nothing it was an unactive farm but there's a barn and a shed <laughs> and, you know growing up we had a couple horses for a moment we had a pony a really mean pony oh my god want us to ride it so that didn't last long we had a big horse uh-huh. We had chickens at some point, which is a whole story we don't need to get into. But I remember when they were babies in the attic, they were super cute and fuzzy. Uh-huh. We had a bunny or two, actually. And then they, they anyway, a lot of the animals went a little crazy on our farm. We don't okay. know why. <laughs> we had a dog and a cat. So, you know, like for a kid, it was great. Go outside and play. You really are super safe in New England. Mm-hmm houses are far apart so I had a really great upbringing and um yeah I can't complain we had a we have a pond so my sister and I have a twin sister and we would go to the pond and try and catch frogs which obviously as you know you can never do so (laughs) we did play with the tadpoles the little Uh egg that's that's the easy ones that's the easy ones to pick up up a little mat or your hands. Yeah, it's gross now, right? As an yeah. adult, you're like, Obviously, yeah. My kids are always playing around, you know, whatever they can find, they play around with animals in our, in our area. So, okay, so you're New England, then you went from New England to... Well, I went to college in Pennsylvania, and okay. after college, I went and lived in Boston, which was fabulous. I loved it. And I worked at this 
language What's, school. English. What school did you go to in Pennsylvania? Uh, Lafayette College. Lafayette College, okay. My, oh. men, my mentor that um, taught me how to make wine, he went to Penn State, and he lives oh. in San Diego. So his winery oh. is called uh, Scaredy Cat Ranch. Scaredy Cat. Yeah, and I, for me, I feel like uh, he's one of the top winemakers in Ramona, if not the top one. And oh, cool. so the, the information that um, he brings, he's been doing it for over 20 years um, out there in Pennsylvania. And then when he came out here, you know, 20 plus years ago. So he's, um, his name is Joe Collin, a great guy. And he's, we're, we're small production, but he's even smaller. He does about 100 cases a year. And he's always sold out within a month or two. Wow. So, but he just really loves, yeah, he loves it. All right, so you went to school in Pennsylvania, then you went to the next. Oh, Boston. Boston, okay. So you're yep. staying in the, in the New England-ish area. You're, okay. Yeah, I loved it. I never, you know, I was a skier where I grew up in my town. There's a lake and a ski area. Okay. So in the winter, you skied 10 minutes yep. from my house. And in the summer, you went on the boat. Easy. So it was, like I said, it was a really good upbringing. Yeah. Um, a great lifestyle, especially for families and kids. There's always stuff to do outside, mm -hmm. get them out doing stuff, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I like New England. I never hated it. I never like left New England going, I don't like New England. I loved it. I think the people are funny. Mm -hmm. They're salty, you know, the New Englanders, they've mm -hmm. kind of got an edge. Not as bad as the New Yorkers, but <laughs> I think they're funny people. They're kind of earthy people. You know, they're down to earth and practical types. Yep. But, um, you know, they really are. I don't know. I like the New England peeps. But, you know, that's where I'm from. So it yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so so the, and these schools that you went to, was it wine specific or was it marketing? Oh, no. totally of course unrelated. not, right? Of course not. <laughs> So no, the wine thing came. I was, I was, I was walking up my steps in Boston. I remember to this house I lived with a professional juggling clown, a magician, and a musician. So you can imagine the backyard parties with fire juggling. You know, like it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I had a great time in Boston. I gotta say, these the people I lived with were street performers. Like you'd go to Harvard. Harvard Square, and you'd see them, Peter Panic and Jenny the Juggler. It was it was oh really great. Goodness. But I remember do you coming still home. Keep in uh, do you still keep in touch with them? Um, Jenny is a Facebook friend, but I haven't seen her in maybe ten years. Okay. So no, right. but so I know she's still doing it. Oh, she is. That's that was the next question. Is she still messing around doing that and yeah. having fun she's with it? She's got two kids now, and she's got Banana the Bun. It's a bit. It's a bunny. That she uses, I haven't seen how she uses it, but it's okay. it's part of her thing. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So you got some good connections, some amazing memories. Oh yeah, know. great memories. All right, and then so so okay, keep on going, keep on going. Talk to. So us. I worked at this language school of English. So people, it's it, it, it was so cool. It was, it's in kind of the the oh god west i was like east part no other way wrong coast west part of boston um brighton there's this old monastery on top of a hill and it was converted into a language school so i worked at this language school of english where people would come from around the world you name the country i remember even i because i was the student services coordinator which was really kind of a fluffer job it was a position of like receptionist and um is that noise gonna bother you because that's not too bad okay well, well it is for me one second okay 
too loud. But yeah, so it was a great job because I got to directly interface with all these international people who were living at this school because mm -hmm. it housed people. And um, I remember I had a group from Saudi Arabia. I had never known anything about Saudi Arabians and they were the nicest guys. I took them around Boston and, you know, it was very interesting from a cultural standpoint, but it turned into, I want to go live abroad. Mm -hmm. So I did. I saved money that year. I became an English teacher and I lived in Italy after Boston for, this was right after 2011, 2001, okay. September 11th, because I had my flight three days later and my oh, flight was awesome. like, I'm like, can I go? What do I do? Yeah. Mom, dad. Help. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, especially where you're at. I mean, it's, yeah. you're, I mean, physically within driving distance, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. what a this okay a so crazy. yeah i bet i bet there's a lot of emotions that side so okay so you so i assume but you I left you left i okay. went when i could get a flight it was like a week and a half later or two weeks later okay. but they opened them up um but i went and lived in italy for a year and during that time you know i still wasn't really into wine i had a great italian boyfriend that i met he was one of my students his english was never very good and but he just took me in and his family was so nice to me and we went and traveled around, went to wine regions, we went to Piedmont, we went to a region called the Otropo Pavese, which is near where I was living in Milan, right outside of Milan, a small town. But I just had a fabulous year. And then when I came back a year later to Boston again, I was there only for three months. And my twin sister, who had been living in Oregon, had moved to San Diego because my older sister had been living in San Diego for many, many years, okay. um, since 96 or seven. And this was 2002 at the point. So I moved there with an open-ended plane ticket and my two bags. It didn't matter. I didn't really have anything anyway because I was living abroad for a year. Um, and yeah, so there you go. And then I liked it, but I didn't love it immediately. And it just took, you know, going from New England and the culture of New England to Southern California is a big transition, <laughs> but uh, I'm here. I mean, this was back in 2002 that I moved to San Diego. So mm -hmm. I've been here now 18 years. Wow. So that is my life story in a really short nutshell. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you for sharing that. And it's, um, I was like telling, telling, you know, with the listeners, everybody is is just like you. you you're not born into the wine world i guess unless you're in, in a winery you know mm -hmm. or i guess my kids my kids were physically born right here in the vineyard really and, and and it's just so funny because the, like i said the wine world is so unique that anybody can do it mm. you know what i mean and i'm not just saying about the palate or the aromas or just knowing the wines, it's just, it's just easy to get involved with because it's so social that mm. as soon as you get a bottle of wine or you get a glass of wine, I guarantee you a person next to you, if you're at a bar, they're going to ask you, what wine are you tasting? Mm. Right. Or, Oh, I love this, this type of wine. Why would I recommend this one, you know, at a restaurant? So it, it starts kind of revolving from there, you know, and then it starts becoming a hobby or a passion. You know, and then you really get into it. And then you took the extra step and made it a career, right? Totally. It's perfect. I love that. For me, it went like this. I was a frequent customer at, back at the time, the original wine bar of San okay. Diego, or one of. It was like the second. It was during that, like the 2000s in San Diego was the era of wine bars. I All of a sudden, up. so many, 
You remember that? Were you here in the? I 2000s? wasn't here, but it, I rem I was talking to um to Maurice. Oh yeah, Maurice. Maurice. Sure. Yeah, and um, we were just talking about how the beer industry blew up like crazy. Mm. And he was just saying, you know, I do see that San Diego can blow up in the wine world. Like not just the bars, but the vineyards and the culture in this area. And it's just, it's just a matter of time. It's just, you know, because San Diego has so much to offer that now we have just one more thing to put on the, the top of the list. Not just breweries, uh. the beaches the mountains, mountains. We, we got the wineries now you know so uh, but yes i i know i a little research that i did i know i know it, it went crazy all of a sudden it went, so i was back in 2003 or four four and i had gone i was dating a gentleman at the time and we went to this wine bar we liked wine you know i didn't really know anything about it at the time but we went and not a lot of people were there and it was called wine steals you remember hearing about this? I, Maybe. I don't know why. No. So it was like a great concept. You could pick, pick a bottle and drink it there for like a $5 corkage fee. Okay. And they had flights and they had great values like wine deal. It's a steal. And I, like, we love this place. So fast forward out at a karaoke bar down in Mission Hills, which is a famous one, the Lamplighter. Uh -huh. I know that one. I, you remember that? You know that place? That one, that place. Yeah. Lots of memories there. So my sister and I, my twin and I were at the Lamplighter giving one of our performances because we had, <laughs> we had gone there frequently enough that people knew us, the twins. Uh -huh. so. Are you guys <laughs> identical as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we look less alike now, but yes, I mean, okay. our hair color is a little different. Okay. <laughs> but so we went there and at that bar, I saw the wine server of wine steals and we're on the dance floor of the lamplighter listening to some horrible you know karaoke person and she's like hey we're really busy we, we need help and i'm like oh well i can come i can help you i waitressed for 10 years through college yeah. and high school and post-college even when i moved to san diego i, I waitressed so I, I know how to serve i can help so that's how it started literally the lamplighter <laughs> In the middle of a horrible karaoke song. Oh my gosh. Isn't this great? Are yes, you? that's incredible. Okay. <laughs> but now, now we're going to move over a little bit quicker. And there's okay, a, okay, yeah. a super crazy award. Or what do you call it? Certificate? Uh, um, yeah, certificate. The, the Masters in Wine, right? So give us a little bit. So just to let you know, I did do research and I knew a lot about your background. So I'm not blindsided. I just, I knew a lot, but I just love, you know, you're sharing your stories and um, the guests like to hear, that's how you kind of relate, right? You remember certain things and it's like, oh, I like this person or no, I don't like this person. I, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with it, but um, <laughs> this one, I think people are, are enjoying the stories and, and it's able, a good connection for whoever's listening, right? So the, I, I wrote down right here, San Diego's first master in wine. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about that. And yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, that's a big question. I don't know what aspect you want me to touch on because okay. it's kind of a okay. big question you're poking at. How long did it take to do to become a master? Well, you have to consider where's your starting point. So for me, I consider my starting point 2005 when I, when I got my first certificate 
with the Society of Wine Educators. Mm -hmm. And that started the path on certificates for me. And then okay. in 2008, I think I became a certified wine educator. And then I got my WSET level three advanced. And then I got the diploma in 20, well, the diploma took several years with the WSET. Um, and I finished that January, 2013. So I applied to the master wine program in 2013 and i finished in 2018 but so, where's the starting point right was, no that's that's a big starting point what you just 15 years the Kinda. 16 years that uh and, and then did you think about taking that route or was it just like hey i enjoy it and let me just take this course and then go from there well i i had started wine smarties in 2006 when i was still at wine steals actually when i was still working there, I mean, that was one of my revelations working at Wine Steals, is all these people are asking me about wine. They want my opinion. They want me to tell them what to buy. And I was like, I have to get a certification. I have to know something more about wine because I can't do my job very well. I, I don't know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a background in wine. So it was born from this observation from all these customers at Wine Steals who knew nothing about wine. And here I am trying to know about wine, rec making recommendations. So that's kind of where it started. And then I started Wine Smarties 2006, just teaching cre casual classes that I kind of wine 101. I mean, it was pretty in the beginning. Mm -hmm. If you were to talk to some of my old, old, old students, I mean, it was like, okay, let's be real. I've really improved. Yeah. Um, you know, and I you didn't learned. know as much. Yeah, you learned and you grew and you- Yeah, you know, you so really it was that progress. It was, it was like, here, I have a product called Wine Smarties. I have to be smart at wine. So get on it, Lindsay. So that's kind of was a motivating force too, is just put the, put the money, put your mouth behind you. What is that expression? Yeah. Put your money put, where your mouth your is? Behind, yeah. That. And so that was a motivator. I was like, well, if I'm going to be teaching classes, I should really know a lot more. And if I'm going to be offering certification programs, which I started in 2009, like the WSET, I started teaching, I need to know my stuff. So that was a lot of motivation to get me to the diploma level. And then at the diploma level was the pivot where my boyfriend at the time that was living with me, um, loved wine and loved this whole aspect of what I was doing. And it really encouraged me. Yeah, I don't know if I would you. continue. He didn't push, but he really supported it and was like, you can do it. This is really great. And so I think with his enthusiasm, I, I think I thought, okay, yeah, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then I started going, oh God, this is really hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I mean, so, so the, that, that master's certificate, is like share with us that not the whole process but the, the testing or the exam what is it specifically blindfolded or blind tasting yeah yeah know the region you know just a little bit share a little bit about that how, how well, difficult it is well the first year as a first year you're not sitting the full exam you have what's called a first year assessment which is a mini version okay. it's a one-day exam to kind of make sure that you're able to sit the full exam. Right. So I had to prepare for that the first year as a first year. And, um, but when I actually sat the exam for the first time, the second year, it's a four day exam. This is so, so the MW program is three parts. One part is theory, 
one part is the blind tasting and one part is a research paper. So I'm only talking about the four days is only re referring to parts one and two. The research wow. papers, after you pass those parts, yeah. you move to now stage three, which is the research paper. So the first and second parts are a four day exam. And um, God, it's super not fun. Uh, who wants to go to a four day exam? No one. It's, it's intense. Yeah. I mean, it's nerve wracking. You've spent thousands of hours, thousands of dollars. Like I traveled to New Zealand. I traveled to Bordeaux. I traveled here, 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 you know, wow. on my own dime. I wasn't, a, I wasn't sponsor, sponsored by a corporation just for my own credit card, really, is yep. what paid for it. That, that, that's your sponsorship off. right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, so you're, there's just a lot of time, emotional energy and actual physical costs involved so there's a lot of stakes you know from a personal level so the four-day exam starts with the first morning uh from nine until nine twelve is the first exam on viticulture and it's three questions well actually i think you get four or five the, the exams are published the master of wine publishes all exams so you could research online and get okay. each year's exams it's completely transparent so you choose three questions and um, out of five, I believe it's a list of five, and you have to write one hour essays on each of these topics. And your essays have to be, you know, referencing global examples, being specific. You got to know your crap. This isn't just a fluffer like wow. blah, blah, BS, BS. No. It's work. It's work. Fact. Yes, yeah, no, these, the people that grade are, you know, they're actually viticulturists. And so they're not, they're not going to let you like get they, away with. They know their that. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They know their no. stuff. Wow. So, so that's the first morning. And then oh that afternoon goodness. is the blind tasting day one, oh. which is 12 white wines. And that's a two hour and 15 minute exam because it's written. So it's not, here's, it's not like the court of master sommeliers where it's an oral exam. Yeah. It's a written exam on, for example, the following three, and it's often divided into flights, but not always. You can get what's called mixed bag. So the following six wines are white wines. Okay, thanks. Didn't give me anything. And that's please, it. Right. Please tell me their origin, the grape or grape varieties, how was the wine made, and its commercial appeal. So you have to, it's an argument. This is where I think the, the master wine approach is quite different from the deductive tasting approach or the grid uh -huh. is they don't care about your grid. You're not writing, you're taking your grid and you're making an argument in your answer. Why, so, why you feel this wine is so X, correct. Y, and Z. Okay. Yes. And it has to be a well-argued, they want to see your logic. Yeah. So how did this person get to this answer? You can't just write the correct answer, even if it's right. Yeah. They want to see, how did you get there? What did you think about? What aspects specifically did you taste? You always have to connect it to the glass. Um, about this wine that makes you think it's from a cool climate in an old world, here are these possible regions that you're suggesting. And then you narrow it down, we call it funneling. Oh. So you kind of present a larger argument and then you funnel it down until your conclusion. And your final conclusion is, here's where I'm going to lay my hat. This is what I think the wine is. So now, now, based on what you just told me, this makes total sense why you 
recommend this wine to a person based on their preference, uh, their thoughts, and you know, and and, and it, it makes it more. I mean, not easy, right? Because obviously, you you can recommend a bottle, and then they're like, "No, I don't like it." But you can really, you know, go through an easier path and go through your little funnel and get to a point that, hey, we got these, you know, Cabernet Sauvignons from this region. I believe you like these top three right here. Mm. And that's super hard to do because <laughs> everybody's palate is so out there that you, you don't, you have no clue, right? Until you start talking to them. Yeah. So that makes the most sense of what you're saying and what you learned. And obviously you're doing a good job because you've been in business for how many, 12, 14 years now? Oh no. You know? Yeah, you're you're making a living out of it. And um the how many how many masters of wine are there? Jeez. Um Roughly. I just passed yeah. sixteen. I wanna say either three ninety five or four hundred. Yeah, there's not too many, right? Something like that. Yeah. In the world. <laughs> yeah, I think there's only like forty so you're of famous. in the US or forty five in the US. It's you're famous. Small. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, all that money so and time you, know. you know, it's so niche yeah. that you gotta kind of know. Like a lot of people don't even know what a master wine is or have heard of it. So yeah. it's like you know. And, okay. and do you, do you get a pin or what? What do you get? Yeah, I get a what pin. What do you show off? Is that what you show off when you go to any of your courses? I'm not really a show off type. <laughs> what do you mean? You should get a big one. This oh, is nice. Pin. Nice. So that's what they give you right there. And it's no, nice. well, I I got the award too. I got the Bollinger Medal of Honor. Wow. See this thing. This thing's the best. Okay, show us this one. So people that are what are listening, it's a little gold pin that she just showed us. It said Masters of Wine. And then now she's gonna bring out the Medal of Honor right here. So this is a great story, you know, and I was trying to find the film on it, but at the annual award ceremony at the Institute, there's a few awards they give out. And, you know, I just rolled up thinking, I'm just happy to get my certificate and be done with this. Cause this was really you're hard. exhausted. Yeah. You're exhausted like, at that point. I almost didn't go. I was like, do you think I should go? You guys, my parents are like, you should. Yes, go. of course. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the, the, like, the backbone oh, of it. Yeah, the backbone of it, you were super trauma. done. Yes, you're super done. Is You're like, I'm just going to get so a pen and I'm yeah, done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the best part was during the award ceremony, they announced, and there's one award that everyone wants. The award is the Bollinger Medal for Excellence in Tasting. It basically means that of all the master wines that were announced that year, I think my class had 14 or 16. I can't remember in 2018 you're the best taster meaning that wow. your overall tasting score was the highest comparatively so you know who's going to expect they're getting that no yeah. one no one rolls into this thing thinking they're going to get anything other than please just give me my you know just please happy give me my that you passed yeah yes yeah. oh god please yeah. so they announced my name and i was like uh, looking around like are you sure is that my name? Are you sure? For real? <laughs> I, I literally had this startled look in my face. It was kind of like, I mean, it was really like if somebody filmed my face, it was pretty bad. I was not camera ready. Let's yeah, just say you that. You were shocked. It yeah. was, I was kind of shaking walking up the stage. I had no idea. But the mess part 
is they give you four cases of Bollinger champagne mm-hmm. and they, 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 um, flew me and three people. So I took my parents and my friend, Stephanie to champagne for the week. Well, we were there wow. for five days, paid for everything wow. and gave me a formal ceremony. I mean, this stuff's wow. unheard of in the U S it's so, you know, it's English. It's, yeah. French, it's traditional. Yeah, they so, want the like the, the castles and the kings and yes, yes you felt, felt really like uh, oh shit. Yeah, that's incredible. It was unreal. So they presented me with this little guy, okay. opened it up. Let's see what and it inside, is. According to uh the gentleman Etienne, who's the head of the Bollinger guy, he said the Queen of England's jeweler made this. Said, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so okay. here's my little medal. Uh huh. It's got Madame Bollinger Foundation. They and give it every year. A shadow of her face, I assume. Yeah, and then I don't know if you can read it. There you go. Yes, yeah, kind of hard to read, but there's a you little. Look backwards. It says, I don't know. The it's hard to read. The Madame Bollinger Foundation is honored. Oh God, I need glasses. Anyway, it just says my name, honored to present you the outstanding. Custom it's custom made for you from the Queen's jeweler. They opened up a 1976 champagne. I mean, give me a break. Who could think this stuff? Congratulations. All that yeah. hard work. And obviously, you're doing a great job at it. But Good wait, job. there's more. Okay. So during this award ceremony, there was other awards. There's the best paper. There's the best winemaking paper. Because remember, there's five parts. So viticulture in the morning, white wines in the afternoon, day two, winemaking in the morning essays, three essays, red wines in the afternoon. Day three, you've got quality control in the morning and uh, any wine in the afternoon. Day four is um, business of wine essays and global issues essays. So again, four day exam. So they have lots of awards, the best winemaking paper. There's the other award was a trip to Austria on for the overall best candidate. They call it the Outstanding Achievement Award. So it's like adding up all your scores of each part, so the tasting and your essays and your research paper, there's a, there's a prize for that. And so when they called my name a second time, I like, I was like, what? Is this real? Pinch me. T- <laughs> so you, you crushed it. You crushed it. Year, I went to Austria with my wow. sister. So anyway. So Vienna? Wow. You went to Vienna? We flew into Vienna and went to Styria because I had been to the okay. Bajau before. So I didn't want to go back to that same region. So we went to south, um, direct south of Vienna uh, is called Styria. Fabulous Sauvignon Blancs. They have a wine, they, it's Chardonnay called Morlon. It's kind of very um, white Burgundy Chablis-esque. But the wines were all very delicious, very high quality. And the region was stunning. These slopes were like... Yeah, 70, 65, 75 degree slopes, one of the steepest areas um, because wow. it's the foothills of the Alps, essentially is the region. Oh so it so was beautiful stunning. too. Yeah, wow. it was just incredible. Incredible. Wow. So that's my story. That is incredible. So congratulations. And yeah, you're super famous in the, at least the wine world. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> congratulations. You did a great job on that. So you should be very proud of yourself. I'm glad to hear that you, I mean, that seems like, that's just crazy. Right? Honestly, yeah. I had no clue. So you did a great job. So you know your stuff. 
maybe a little uh, bit. Apparently. <laughs> I don't right, so remember everything though. So let's go, let's go a little bit more into your wine smarties. What's your role okay. there? Owner, uh, receptionist, uh, cleans the bathroom and also teaches classes. Yep, is that basically what it tables. is? That's yeah. true. I do a lot of plumbing. <laughs> do you have anybody working with you? Or, so what, what's your role? What's your title? I call it chief wine officer. Okay. But not yet. I mean, I did for the first time this year have Rick Fisher, who created the Spanish Wine Scholar. He's the one that wrote it, but he was a he was a former student of mine, and um, he got hooked up with the Wine Scholar Guild and actually crafted their Spanish Wine Scholar program. So for the first time ever, I didn't teach a course, but I offered it. So that was an interesting shift this year. Um, he because he created the course. How am I gonna? You know, I can't do better than that. Let's be real, that guy. So then you, you brought him in and then he's teaching the course and then you're teaching yep. a different course. Yep. So you're kind of feeling like you're expanding a little bit in your wine smarties. Yeah, I'm trying, but then, you know, COVID hits and it's like, oh, your, your venue's closed, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, where, where's your venue at? What area? Well, I teach in Temecula and so my venues vary, but, um, you know, we had set up a program to start, I think in June at South Coast for, for their employees and, and, you know, COVID hit. So forget it. So now I'm like, uh, okay, how am I going to pay bills? I mean, everyone that was affected. So I started shifting to more online, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and then my venue in San Diego has been for the past, I don't know, three years, maybe more is the wine cellar and brasserie and they've just been great. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> there. Yeah. I know that area. Uh, I think Kurt used to be there. Oh, yes. Yes, Kurt. Yeah, I yeah. worked with Kurt. I miss him. He's great. Yeah, yeah. I met him. We had our bottles there for a little bit. And oh, obviously, yeah, right. he's no longer there. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's a small world. You never know. You know, the connect. I just, I just rolled up on your guys' place there. And I'm just like, hey, can I sell some bottles <laughs> at your place? And he's like, who are you? I'm like, you want to come to my winery? <laughs> just try my wine. Yeah, that, that's how it all started. He's like, okay, yeah, why not? And then uh, he showed up with his wife and two good friends, and Aww. from there he bought some wine. So it was really nice. Um, and I, that's just my personality. I'm not very – I kind of miss the signs that say no solicitude, and I just kind of walk through anyways. <laughs> like, oh, you sell wine? I sell wine too. What a coincidence. Hey, we know uh, each other. Yeah, we, we must be meant to be, you know. So, so you have a – so you do a class there or courses there. Tell me a little bit how you sign up. Talk to us a little bit. How do you get people to sign up, especially right now through this whole COVID? Um, uh, what yeah, site? People, are, you know, you can go to my website, Wine Smarties. I'm in a, pro I'm in a process right now of, of transitioning to more online um, because I really was pretty exclusively in person. But obviously, everyone's having to bob, weave, duck, jump, hop. You understand. Uh, hide. <laughs> hide a little bit. <laughs> A little bit, maybe high. To, to, to get by, yes, to get by. Now, is it, are you seeing because people are, are getting scared that you come in? Or what, what's the reasoning? Because I assume your, your classes aren't as big as typical classes. Or, or well, I have a course starting in Temecula in just a couple of weeks, and it's huge. Oh, so what, what's huge? I think I have 30 students enrolled. Okay. To, that's a big class. That's, that's like max. Class. I can't take anymore. I don't want okay. to. Because you, you really want to give the attention to all the, your, the customers and 
um, and really kind of share. And then mostly they will say something and then that conversation ends up going into another conversation. And then I know 30 people have other mm-hmm. opinions. So you end up really not doing anything probably <laughs> if you get no, more. Don't, right? say that. don't yeah. say that. No, no, it's a good thing. Absolutely. It's a good thing. No, it's a good thing. It's, you know, obviously you, you know what you're doing and you know how to keep things on track. That's true. For doing it for such a long time, I, I presume, but I'm just saying out loud, it's, I know for sure it will be challenging and it's good that you like to keep your classes structured and with the X amount of people because of that, that, that yeah. customer service, you know, that, that unique touch to it. Yeah. All right. So you can sign yourself up on your cor- on your classes, not yet online or yes online since you're changing it up. Oh, well, I have been doing online. So I kind of do my classes apart from my wine courses. Those I schedule in advance and there's always new dates. But with my online classes, I kind of do three months and I'm just anyone now. I created a course, a five-week online course. Um, and so wines, either students picked up or had their wine shipped to them. And then we taste online. In fact, we meet tonight at five. Okay. But it's been really fun because quite frankly, I love teaching the courses I have for 11 years now, which is kind of unbelievable to say. Um and I, I've heard, you know, and it really does give such value to students, like getting a formal certification they can use in their trade, not just to have a piece of paper that says, hey, I have this level of knowledge, but also for their, their own internal confidence, I think is what I hear as well. Like just being able to talk to students or to their clients in a, in a way that they don't feel overwhelmed or intimidated. Um, Because I know that's a big part of the motivating factor as to why people would take a course is so that they can be more articulate and actually know what they're talking about. So they don't sound dumb. You know, that's correct. correct, That's important. That that fear, that fear of not really knowing. Yeah, where someone's talking over you and you're like, oh, Uh, maybe they're right. And maybe they're wrong. You know, it can go both sides. So give us a little bit of um, start to finish with your courses. I know you just said one of them was five weeks. Let's just say that one that you're going up for the 30, 30 guests or 30 students. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us, is it, is it specific five weeks, eight weeks, one day? So my level two WICT course, which is where I put beginners slash intermediates, mm-hmm. um, is a five-week course. And then we skip a week, week seven's the exam. And that's 6 to 10 p.m. So it ends up being whatever, five times four, uh, nearly a 20-hour course. Okay. Um, and this is for so, anybody that, yeah. that you are a teacher or you're in the restaurant industry or you I just get, like I wine? I see everything. I see. Well, in Temecula, it's a little different market than my San Diego group because they're mainly in the wine industry. Okay. So they're actively working. But in San Diego, I see around 30%, sometimes more. My January class was 90% enthusiasts. Not even in the industry or caring to be in it, which was interesting. That's incredible. Um, But but normally I see, you know, about 30 to 40% trade for professionals. Mm -hmm. The other small 20, 20% maybe transitioners, career transitioners. I'm looking to get in the wine industry. And then the other is enthusiasts. So I always have, usually in San Diego, some people that just take it for fun because they love wine. They travel. They really want to know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, so there's actually a mixed crowd that would take it. It's not just trade people. Okay, that's good to know because so, obviously, listeners, just like you said, when you're know when you're talking to a guest about wine, you kind of want to know, right? You want to know what you're saying. 
The same thing is you don't want to be intimidated going to a course like yours because you have such, you know, big mm. pedigree that you feel like you're not smart enough or you haven't tasted enough wine. But for you, you're saying anybody really can go into just beginners to advanced wine tasters or drinkers, right? Yeah. Um, I think you bring up a good question. I, I have in my beginner category, I have what I refer to as internally as my true beginner. My true beginner would be challenged in the course, but I do encourage them to do it because the level one course is really like almost too basic and it's just not really, in my opinion, worth the time and money. So I put everyone on level two, but what I'm hearing recently and and over the years uh, is there is a demand that I'm working to fill of people that true, true are beginners and aren't ready either financially to commit to a course Mm -hmm. You know, like they're not quite there yet from many reasons. Maybe they don't want to come to a a 16 hour wine course yet. They don't want to be the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or it can be financially. Yes. So I've in the past just done what I call one off casual classes where it's like an hour and a half. You come to a class live, we taste five or six wines, but now I'm really working on growing that online and creating a lot more online courses for people that bridge that sort of beginner to intermediate gap Mm -hmm. to the people that may not want to join the course, but just want to start, you know, a hundred, 125 bucks, maybe something like that, Mm -hmm. or even less. I'm not sure. I'm working that out now with what proprietary courses, but you know, what's exciting is having taught for 14 years and even I taught English in Italy. So really I've been a teacher since the year 2001 Mm -hmm. um, is being able to create my own courses with my own observations is been something that I've been doing. And that's what I was just describing. I'm finishing tonight with online is a course I created that is from my experience from teaching as well as tasting. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm, I'm focusing online courses are going to be tasting courses. Mm -hmm. That's clearly my specialty. I mix, I love teaching about taste and, um, it's very exciting. And that's really, in my opinion, people want to know more about taste too. So like where I'm at in Wine Smarties world, still teaching courses, love the courses. The courses offer enormous value for people mm-hmm. um, that, you know, want to better themselves or their careers, but also working on um, how do I offer more for people that may not want to come to a live class or maybe although the courses are available online as well. So I don't know if that helps, but that's kind of, no, I'm, that's I'm in perfect. like a transition mode as well is basically what I'm communicating. And then you, t- you tweak your courses based on what you see too hard or not hard enough, you know? So it's, yeah, and creating courses yeah, to bridge those gaps, little segments that you say, okay, I can get from a to C over here and I got it. Here's my B right here. To get yes. There. That that makes the most That's sense. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Thank that, you. That's great. That makes a perfect sense, and I just want our listeners to know that you know there it, there is availability for you as a or the, the the listeners to get connected to you and not feel intimidated. No, you know, no, I'm not an I'm not an intimidating teacher. Yeah. I'm really I'm not because Listen. you know yeah the wine the wine world is that is a number one thing. I don't even know how to hold the glass. You know, like people are just like, do I grab it from the bottom? Do I grab it from the very bottom yes. of the glass? Or should I grab the whole top? Or do I get it? Or do I just get it by the stem? Or should I use my pinky? You know, so there's different ways. 
and then you and then you kind of look around and people are always just like swirling as fast as they can like should i do this too or should i just drink it really quick you know so there's different things that i notice and i never grew up in the wine world i i was very far off so i'm able to bring that side of it because i i always laugh about things like that or make fun of my father-in-law um so there's always things like that and people are just like that's actually true that that happens you know because you don't think about it because you're just like oh i see people do it so i do that but i'm like it's funny you're right you just stand there and swirl yeah just and just swirl. talk I just talk to you hey, everything's going great yeah you know and i'm like so are they gonna drink it you know <laughs> you know um but i get it the, the oxygen you know getting different aromas no, but to your point there's no point in just standing swirling yeah, you just, gotta stick your nose in it yeah yeah have fun with it smell it you know and you know but that's basically my observation that i see usually coming through here and yeah. and i and and that's why i try to make it more of a front of approach when people come to the winery and i usually just ask them the same question hey do you drink wine do you like wine well is this just I just happened to see your winery or somebody told me about you, you know, and I'm just like, I, I just try to kind of commute, communicate with them before I make them feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's so easy to think, Oh, I don't know anything about wine. Do I just chug it real quick? Or am I supposed to do a little sip or what am I, you know? So mm -hmm. when I talk to them, they feel so much comfortable having fun tasting the wine that I think that's what we sell. We sell that, when they open our bottle of wine, they're going to remember, hey, this person, Nelson, taught us about this or the stories about the winery, the stories. And the wine can probably be bad. I'm not saying we have bad wine, but I'm just saying the wine could be bad. Mm -hmm. And they just remember the stories about it, you know, mm -hmm. and they share it at a dining room. They share it with their friends. They share it with their family. And I feel like that's why the, the life in a wine bottle is so it created, creates that little atmosphere. You know, that's why I created that podcast or this podcast. So you, you gave us a little bit of background of how your course is, how long it is, how to sign up, mm -hmm. different strategies you're going to approach with other uh, courses, especially right now through COVID. Yeah. And the cost roughly you gave, you know, give or, give or take. Um, obviously that fluctuates, you know, that's not always there. That was the end of part one with Lindsay from Wine Smarties. I hope everyone got to feel her passion, personality, and why she enjoys what she does. Make sure to tune in next week to hear part two. We'll talk about what sets her apart and her ultimate goals with Wine Smarties and herself. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, Google Play channels, and also follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in a Wine Bottle. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Nelson Pizarro. We'll see you guys next week.